0: This evening, we are looking at 1 John, chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. 1 John, chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. This is what it reads. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. If you notice this uh, verse starts off with a but. Okay. Now when you say but, it is always in contrast with something that has been mentioned before. What was mentioned in verse 19, what is written was the Antichrist went out from us because they were never really a part of us. So after having mentioned that, now he is speaking to the genuine believers, and saying, in contrast to these individuals who went out from the body and proved that they were not really a part of the body, that they were not really genuine believers, in contrast to that, I want to share with you that you have an anointing from the Holy One. In other words, sinner, you, know, you are genuine. The fact that you have stayed, the fact that the Spirit of God is in you, is a proof that you are a genuine believer." Those individuals, even though they seemed to be genuine, they went out from us because they were not really genuine. So here in this verse, now he gives us some uh, characteristics of the genuine believers. And, uh, how can we know that you have really made a commitment? If you notice the whole purpose of this epistle written by John, is to clarify some of these thoughts to ensure that the individuals, the genuine believers, would know it, and also would be discerning enough not to be sidetracked and led away by the heretics that were there in the community. So the word that starts off "but" is a contrast in contrast to the uh, the false one. Now he's speaking about the genuine one. So who is the genuine one? Who is a genuine believer? He says in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing. He is not speaking about a past tense. He is speaking about a a present tense. He is speaking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He is not speaking about once upon a time you had an anointing, now the anointing is not there. No, no, no. Is explaining what the anointing is all about. Okay. Now, in today's world, a lot of people use this word anointing and a lot of the uh, new teachers, the false teachers would also speak about giving an anointing and that they are anointed of God and they can pass that anointing to somebody else, either by laying on their hands or some people will say by blowing on them the anointing can be passed from one person to the other. Now, the Bible doesn't speak anything like that. The Bible does not speak about anointing that can be passed like that, okay? Now, those are all wrong practices. But here, the scripture is saying you have an anointing from the Holy One, Holy One. The Holy One, the Spirit of God, the scripture tells us, He is the Spirit of Truth. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Here Jesus spoke about the spirit of God who was going to come and then indwell in the heart and life of a believer. So what John is speaking about here is, how do we know whether a person is a genuine believer, whether he has the indwelling spirit of God in him? And that is what is spoken of when you're speaking about the anointing. And when you're saying that it's in the present tense, you have it. You don't have to wait for it if you're a believer. (laughs) You don't have to wait so that the Lord would anoint you. No. The Lord's anointed is already, anointing is already there by virtue of the Spirit of God who is in you. So this anointing of the believer and the resulting knowledge of the truth was what distinguished the genuine believer and the one who said that they were believers. Now, false Christians in John's day, use two special words to describe their experience. These false teachers, some of them from a Gnostic background, these were two words that they were using. One was uh, knowledge and one was unction or anointing. Knowledge, they were speaking about a secret knowledge that they have now got a hotline as it were to God. And as a result, if you follow that particular teacher, you would receive a blessing from God. And when it came to unction also, it was a similar thought to say that now they have been anointed by God and in turn they can anoint others. They can pass on that anointing to others as well. But John, John points out over here that all true Christians know God and they have already received the spirit of God. And because they have believed the truth, they have recognized it when, and as they have responded to it and a genuine believer because he or she is filled, controlled, anointed, whatever word you may use, because they are controlled by the Spirit of God, is able to discern, is able to discern the false one that is there today, okay? Now let me read to you (coughs) what uh, 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 David Gusick in his commentary on the Bible speaks about this particular thought on anointing. He says, among some Christians today, there is a rather magical or superstitious approach to this idea of anointing. In their mind, the anointing is like a virus or a germ that can be spread by casual contact or infect a whole group. Usually these folks think that one, when one catches the anointing, you can tell because they begin to act strangely. This is not the Bible's idea of anointing. Anointing has the idea of being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. This is something that is the common property of all Christians, but something we can and should become more submitted and responsive to. As oil was used among the uh, 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 individuals for inauguration of persons in important offices, This oil was acknowledged to be an emblem of the gifts and graces of the Holy Spirit, without which the duties of these officers could not be discharged. So it is put here for the Spirit himself who presided in the church and from which all gifts and graces flowed. So he's very clear about this. He says, if a person says because of the anointing, you're going to act strangely, be careful. That is not an anointing from God. The anointing is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and the anointing of God comes when we have responded to Him. As soon as we say yes to God, the Spirit of God comes and lives with us. So in that sense of the term, we are all anointed people. We are all anointed people. So we don't have to pray for an anointing, rather we need to pray that the Spirit of God would uh, release his power in us as we yield ourselves to him. Remember, the Spirit of God is not someone who will force himself into us and zap us down. No, the Spirit of God is a gentle person. As we yield ourselves to him, then we are able to receive of his power. So never fall for any of the new teachings today. Which will speak about somebody who has a higher authority or a higher power or a higher anointing, so he can pass on some of that anointing to you. That is not scriptural. The Bible doesn't speak about that at all. But the Bible does say here in this verse, and you know, this is how we know that we are genuine if we have been anointed by the Holy One. If we have received the Spirit of God into our lives, then that is how we know we are genuine. The Bible is very clear. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to him, because it is the Spirit of God that comes in, who comes inside of us, changing us into his likeness and image. That is the point of regeneration, when God takes away a heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and puts his Spirit within us. That is the sign. And that's what John is talking about here. John is saying, look here, those guys never had the Holy Spirit, so they went out from us. Even though they did a lot of things that appeared as if it was of the Spirit of God, as Jesus himself said in the last days, many shall come saying, we did this and we did that in your name. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. So it is possible for a person to do all those miraculous things without knowing the Lord, without the Spirit of God residing in him or her. So this is what John is saying here. The difference between the Antichrist and the genuine individuals is the one who can be assured that the Spirit of God is there in you. The Bible is very clear when it says God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we belong to Him. This evening, ask yourself, you know, if somebody asks, you, are you anointed with the Holy Spirit? What would your response be? Would you say yes very positively or would you say, I'm waiting for the anointing? How would you be able to say, yes, I know deep down inside, the spirit of God is residing in me. And as a result, I'm confident that I belong to Christ, not because of what I have done, but because of what Christ has done by his presence in my life. Now, (laughs) the second thing that he mentions over there is, you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit and all of you know the truth. All of you know the truth, okay? So when he's writing to these believers, he's saying, look, I'm confident that you guys are believers, okay? So what is the truth that he's speaking about? The truth about Jesus. The truth about Jesus. The false teachers may have been using the word anointing as a technical term for being initiated into their special revelatory knowledge, okay? But John takes their same term of anointing and uses it for the Holy Spirit and says the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to lead us into all truth. Who want truth about who Jesus really is. So John here in this verse with the next verse, he is not writing to inform them, okay? But he's writing to confirm their belief. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, you know but because you do know it. In other words, you know, what John is saying is, the object of my writing this is not to communicate some new knowledge, like the heretics who are coming up with some new knowledge, but to bring into an active understanding of what you already have. Now this is an important truth that we must understand. Oftentimes, we think that something is missing, something is missing. And as a result, when all these false teachers say, oh, if you do this, you can have this. If you do this, you can have this. Because you feel something is missing, you run after all those things. But the Bible is very clear. You already have the Spirit of God. You already have the fullness, you know, the fullness of the God that dwells bodily in him and we are complete in him. You don't need anything more than that, because if God's very power is in you and me, then you don't need anything else. And the Spirit of God, his responsibility, once he comes into our lives, is to lead us into all truth, to lead us into all truth, and definitely the knowledge about Jesus and to be the one who is the, uh, uh, able to give us the discernment to find out what is the genuine from what is the counterfeit. So these readers definitely to whom he was writing knew the truth about Jesus. But John's purpose was to warn them of these deceivers who had gone out from them and were distorting the truth about the deity and the humanity of Jesus. And those are the same two things that the cult groups of today, the false teachers of today would be emphasizing. Either they will emphasize that Jesus was just a man, or they will be emphasizing that Jesus was only God, or they would also say, you know, look here, Jesus was just like us, so what he did, we can also do, you know, we are all little gods over here. No, no, that's not what the scripture tells us, we don't become mini-gods here, you know. The nature of man is still there with us. When God, when he was here on earth, he was both God as well as man. The full-blown cult groups of today, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Jesus-only movements, all these things are speaking about one or the other, just a man or just God alone, okay? Then he's saying, I'm confident that you know this truth because no lie is of the truth no lie is of the truth. In other words, he's saying, you know, if truth has to be truth, it has to be hundred percent true, hundred percent true. There cannot be any neutral ground between truth and error. There cannot be any neutral ground. Truth is truth and a lie is a lie. Now, we need to be clear about this also, because we are living in a highly tolerant world which would say, hey, you know, you know, draw balance, you know, why do you have to be so, you know, uh, fanatical, why do you have to be so narrow-minded, give and take here and there, some things about Jesus, we don't really know, it's okay. No, no, no. Truth is truth. There can be no lie in it. And John was very clear that truth and falsehood cannot mingle, cannot mingle, that a lie can never be an inherent part of the truth. Now, let me give an example for this. (laughs) When you have counterfeit notes and genuine notes, okay. Now, what do we do? We study both, okay. The guys who are really uh, familiar with both the notes, they study both. And then in order to detect the counterfeit problem, they look for the differences in the genuine bill compared to the counterfeit. They don't look at the similarities, they look at the differences. That's an important factor when you decide which is the genuine and which is the false. Oftentimes what do we do? We look at the similarities, isn't it? We say, that person also is preaching from the Bible, he is also quoting and speaking about Jesus. We look at all the similarities and we say, since a lot of things are similar, it is okay. But we don't look at the differences, counterfeit is checked by looking at the differences. And the more we are good students of God's word, the spirit of God who is in us is able to help us to identify the difference from the truth of God's word. This is why he says, you know, because you do know it and because no light comes from the truth. This is the job of the Holy Spirit of God. To help us to distinguish between the lie and the truth. So in 1 John 2, you know the Apostle John helps to protect believers from heresy by showing them these examples of counterfeit Christians and teachers. And he said you know, in the last few verses, one of the signs of the last days is the coming of Antichrist. And definitely. You know, we are living in the very last of the last days, so many Antichrists, so many individuals speaking about secret knowledge, new anointing, totally different, they may have a lot of similarities, you know, but look at the differences from the genuine gospel and you'll be able to spot that they are counterfeit. John gave three marks of false teachers who are controlled by the spirit of the Antichrist. In verse 19, how do we know that they are antichrist? Because he says they went out from the fellowship; they started their own thing in you know, a totally different. Initially, they were apart, and then it has become a full-blown cult. Secondly, in verse 22, you know, we'll come to that later. You know, they deny Jesus as the Messiah. They deny Jesus as the Messiah, and then verse 26 will speak about how they draw the people away from Jesus. So he says in these next few verses, you know, some of the signs of how we can identify. And here this evening, he has shown us this important truth that if the Spirit of God is there in us, that is the first sign that we are genuine believers. So he is encouraging us even this evening to protect ourselves from the spirit of the Antichrist by depending upon the indwelling presence of the Spirit. Keep in touch with the study of God's word. Know the truth, remain in fellowship with Jesus. And if we do that, then in spite of all the deception around, we'll still be able to stay true to the Lord till the very end. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.